the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we've arrived at the fifth Sunday of Lent that is also called Passion Sunday. It's a day that begins a portion of our Lenten journey, the last two-week portion, and that is called Passion Tide. We need to notice that today, as we begin Passion Tide, we are taking another significant step toward the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this truly beginning to unfold even more liturgically, the things that we see and experience. Already in Lent, think about it, we have put away the organ, the singing of the Gloria has gone away, the bells were already removed, the deacon and the subdeacon, they wear only their albs, not the covering dalmatic vestments and tunicle. And today, and through these final two weeks, as you can see, other than the Stations of the Cross, which must remain uncovered, all of the icons and the crosses throughout the temple, they have been covered. Today, in the Mass and in the propers of the Mass, the Gloria Patri is removed. That's the glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. No longer chanted in Mass. The preface changes today from the preface of Lent to the preface of the Holy Cross. And if you get a sense, even as I'm describing this progression in Lent, if you're getting a sense in the journey of Lent that we're having more and more taken away from us, then you're seeing it correctly. You're seeing it correctly. And there's two things to consider in this idea of more and more things being taken from us throughout the course of Lent, heading straight to the cross. One is this. We are graced by the remembrance in the church of going through what Christ's disciples went through at this time. This is the time where our Lord began to speak more and more of His departure. And it is in Passion Tide and Holy Week that He truly will be taken from them and we are experiencing Him being taken from the disciples. But by grace, there's a great parallel that's going on in our own souls that matches that. We too are having things taken from us. Things that Christ has been stirring up all Lent. The things that we've loved more than Him. The things that we have pursued more than Him. He has been churning all of this up throughout the grace Lent by the spiritual disciplines and our greater fellowship with Him. Showing us the things in Him that also must depart us and be taken to the cross and put to death in our Lord Jesus Christ so that our souls can be free. Remember like we talked about at the beginning of Lent. Lent is a season of the churning up of the soil of our souls. And what gets churned up are the very things Christ wants us to give Him and walk with Him and take to the cross that they be put to death in our lives. The visuals show the spiritual journey that Christ has us on to the great experience and wonder of what He will do upon the cross for us. And the liturgical practice and the progression through Lent, even, even the liturgies themselves through Lent, are actively communicating this stripping away this dying that we might live. And we're to feel this by the Holy Spirit, not just some random emotion, but in reality, in our souls, the work and ministry of Christ within us. And so today, here on Passion Tide, we go deeper and we go further in towards our journey to Christ's holy cross. 
And today also into a more profound understanding. I pray for myself and for all of us a more profound understanding of just all that Christ did on our behalf as he would go willingly to his holy cross. Now the reasons that we see all the icons and the crosses and the temple covered, it comes from our gospel reading today from the gospel of St. John in chapter 8. And we find Jesus once again being <clears throat> excuse me, pressed by faithless Jews that are trying to get at him. And Jesus at one point proclaims to them, he says that their father Abraham, their father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Jesus said. And they scoff at him. They say, hey, wait, Abraham is dead. And you're not 50 years old. You have seen Abraham. And then Jesus utters the words publicly of the revelation of who he truly is in the midst of this multitude when he answers them saying, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was saying with I am. The most holy name of God that God had given to the Hebrew people starting with Moses in the burning bush. He equated himself to be God publicly. So what did they do according to God's law? They picked up stones and were ready to stone him. But here's what the scriptures tell us. Somehow, you've got to believe miraculously. Somehow, that Jesus, it says, made his way through that multitude and he was hid from them. And so now through the rest of our journey, our Lord Jesus Christ is physically hid from us and we enter into him on his way to the cross. There's another most profound revelation to be noted today on Passion Sunday. And that revelation comes from both scriptures that are read in this Mass, from the Gospel of John chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 9. And these two revelations are this. The two truths, ultimate truths, and I might say the ultimate tensions that always must remain in the theology of Christ's church because of his revelation of the cross. The two tensions that keep us held to a correct understanding of what Christ has accomplished for us on the Holy Cross. In our gospel reading today from the gospel of John, St. John chapter 8, we see the beginning stages set for the great suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ at the hands of the Jews and the Romans who would offer him up. We see the stage set for his great suffering. And so one of the great tensions when we think about and consider Christ's holy cross, we cannot avoid the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ upon his cross. We are going to have to, and it is his desire that we encounter his suffering for us because we will never find the most abundant revelation of the very love of God for us unless we embrace and we see the suffering that he willed himself to do. No one did it to him. He willed himself to suffer for us. And we encounter that as one of those truths and one of the tensions of the cross. And the second tension of the cross we see in Hebrews chapter 9. The second tension in truth we see through the cross. To both what Christ accomplished upon the cross and who he became for us eternally by his self-offering upon the cross. That's the other tension. And you cannot let down either and see the fullness 
of the revelation of God on behalf of mankind unless we see both the suffering and the glory and the wonder of what Christ has done upon the cross. In other words, we see the pain, the suffering, but we also see one of the greatest sources of joy, of consolation, of comfort and mercy that we could ever experience by seeing Christ upon the cross in this way. Again, the result of his suffering. So let's look for just a moment at our epistle reading from Hebrews in chapter 9 to look through the cross for a moment to see what was accomplished for us and who Christ became on our behalf eternally. Now, our scriptures start in verse 6 of Hebrews. I need to start in verse 1. Because in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews is setting the stage for everything else that we heard in our scripture reading today. Because in verses 1 through 5, the writer of Hebrews is revealing to us, having us remember the design of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, tabernacle and temple. And in verses 1 through 5, he describes it. That the first room of the temple... Inside the temple was called the holy place, also known as the sanctuary. And inside that room, the priest would constantly be ministering. And there was in that place the lampstand, the table of showbread, the golden censer, all of which have profound meanings, all pointing to what Jesus Christ would do. Things we still have in the mass today and still see. I wish I had time today to go over those, but I don't. But that was the, the holy place. Behind the holy place at the back wall was a very large and thick curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place, otherwise known as the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there was just the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And on the top, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant were two cherubim, angelic cherubim facing one another. And in between the two cherubim, is what God had said that is to be called and known as the mercy seat. That's the mercy seat. And the high priest of that year, and only the high priest, once a year would enter the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice and only on the day of atonement. And this is what the writer is trying to show us. And in verses 6 through 10 of Hebrews 9, the writer of Hebrews speaks to the very role of the high priest on behalf of the people before God on the feast day of atonement. And it's here that he really begins to reveal what has been revealed, that Jesus Christ is our final high priest. And we cannot understand what he is as high priest unless we see him as the fulfillment of the old, which is why the writer of Hebrews is teaching this. So that we see Christ. Because everything in that tabernacle. Everything that the priesthood would do. Every sacrifice that would be offered. All pointed to the cross. And beyond the cross. Through Jesus Christ. God commanded. That on the day of atonement. That one day the high priest would go on the holy of holies. He was to do the following. And I'm going to paraphrase. Because he had many instructions. <laughs> The first thing he was to do is to sacrifice a calf upon the altar. Take its blood. Take it into, go into the holy place through the curtain into the most holy place. And he was to take that blood, put it on his finger and splatter it on the mercy seat of God. The blood upon the mercy seat. And what would he pray for? That mercy be given to cover his own sins. That was his first leg of the journey of prayer. 
that the Lord would cover his sins by the blood of that sacrifice. Then the next thing he would do is go back out to the altar, and he was told to sacrifice a goat. And so he would sacrifice a goat and take that blood and do the same thing, go into the Holy of Holies, splatter the blood upon the mercy seat, and this time he's standing between God's people, Israel and God, pleading for the covering of their sins for that year. And these were the actions of the high priest every year. So get this, he entered the most holy place, and with the blood of bull and goats, he splattered it upon the mercy seat, crying out for mercy and the covering of his sins and the sins of, the, of God's people, Israel. But then the writer turns and said, understand this. He says clearly that while those sacrifices obtained the mercy that withheld what sin truly deserved, that those sacrifices could not cleanse the, whole, the human soul and could not cleanse the conscience, easing the suffering conscience of God's people. It was external, and God honored the external by not delivering what the people deserved, and that was it. And the church, the fathers, have always considered everything that's being spelled out to us and what the high priest would do with the blood of bulls and goats as on the Day of Atonement was truly a shadow of what would be revealed in Christ upon the cross and beyond in his priesthood. A type and prefiguring of what would be fulfilled by our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is why the writer of Hebrews now continues to show us just who Jesus is for us. Verse 11. But Christ came as high priest on the good of the good tidings to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. If I can just take a moment to give you just a visual that might help you remember this as we go into Holy Week. It was this, that just as the gospel processes comes down from heaven to us, just as it comes down from heaven to us, Christ came and upon the cross suffered death and shed his blood and went into death. And once he was raised from the dead, watch this. This is what the writer is telling us. Not into a tabernacle made from hands, but into the eternal tabernacle. Our Lord Jesus Christ took his own blood that he suffered to shed. And he takes it and he passes through into the most holy place. And he is now the great high priest standing in between us, every one of our souls, and God. And he, it's as if he takes his own blood and he splatters it upon his own mercy seat. And on behalf of the Father, then he turns to us and he invites every single one of us to come to him. To be invited to come to us with our burdened consciences. It's as if he's saying, see what I've done. See who I am. 
You have no idea until you come what I want to give to you, what I suffered to give to you, what I did all of this to give to you. I want you unburdened. I want you unshackled. I want you cleansed. I want you made new. This is your great high priest in heaven who has become what we say every mass. And even in Hebrews, the writer tells us he became for eternity our mediator between the father and all of us mediating for us that God show mercy to those who will come to him through repentance and let him sprinkle his blood upon you and ease your broken conscience. And what's the nature of this mediator, this advocate, this great high priest? The same writer of Hebrews tells us what his nature is in Hebrews chapter 4 when he writes this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore boldly come before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Through the cross by his self-offering, giving himself over to such suffering even unto death, eternally Christ now exists with this posture towards every one of us. With our humanity still joined to his divinity for all eternity. He has compassion over our struggle, our weaknesses, our fallenness, our greatest sinfulness because he endured what it is to be human and took it into death himself that he may raise it anew and wash it by his blood. Awaiting us and inviting us to come to him to be recipients of all the work that he'd done in our lives if we would but come. I want to encourage all of us. Next, Palm, next Sunday's Palm Sunday. It begins Holy Week. And we have the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is before us for the entire week all the way through Good Friday. Every day, the passion, the passion, the passion. Let yourself be kept for the greatest experience of Christ. Let yourself be kept and stayed by the two truths, the two tensions we've talked about today. We have to encounter his suffering. Pray that Christ reveals himself and his abounding love for you as you see the suffering he reveals to you. But at the same time, at the same time, be prepared for your heart to be lightened in worship because God is going to reveal to you the glory and the wonder and all that he has made possible to you through the cross by the resurrection and ascension. May we journey together and may he reveal to all of us both of those things for what we need to see this year. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.